0: Guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is episode 49, and the title of the message today is Heartily. And we spent over a month now looking at the covenant nature of God and seeing that He will declare His intentions and then bring those intentions to pass. That when He makes a covenant, he makes it with him. If it's an everlasting covenant, he makes it with himself and includes us in it through our faith. And we looked a lot at the end of the old covenant, the purpose of the old covenant, the uh, the time frame of the old covenant, the reason for the old covenant. And then after the end of that, moving out of the old and into the new, a new priesthood, a new law, uh, Jesus being the, you know, the, the high priest and the perfect law of liberty kind of replacing the law of Moses, the law of Moses did what it was supposed to do. It brought us to Christ. It was a placeholder until the appointed time when Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness, not to do away with it, but to simply fulfill it. And, you know, it's kind of like like when you finance a car, for example, and you agree to make so many payments on it, once you've made that final payment, you haven't canceled that contract. You fulfilled it. You held up your end of the bargain, so to speak. So that's what Jesus did, and he did it because we couldn't do it. He did it to bring us out of the old and into the new. But that got me thinking, okay, so it's not a law you keep, but it's a life that keeps you. So if we don't have this external set of rules and regulations, this fear of uh, consequences on our actions. And let me just say all of your actions do have consequences, whether they're good, bad, or ugly. Uh, I think the best way I heard this was if you cheat on your wife, God won't be mad at you, but your wife most certainly will. your, your actions absolutely matter. Your actions absolutely do have consequences. Um, but if we don't have this, this penal system or this punishment system hanging over our heads, Where does our motivation come from? Why do we do the things that we do? Why, if we are free, don't we abuse our freedom? And, you know, I talk a lot about how uh, the things that Paul wrote about, you know, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. Basically saying I can do anything, but that doesn't mean I should. Basically saying just because I can do it doesn't mean it's good for me. Doesn't mean I ought to do it. Doesn't mean I need to do it. If it's not good for you, you shouldn't do it, whether you're allowed to or not. If you're allowed to eat junk food all day, you'll still get sick from eating junk food. There's still consequences to your actions. So what I want to look at today is what our motivation is and where our motivation comes from. And to me, uh, as simply as I can put it, and I know you've heard me say this before, and, and you will certainly hear me say this again, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, it's Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation and then in the King James cuz I actually like it better in the King James version. In the New Living Translation Colossians 3:23 says, "Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are work as though you were working for the Lord rather than people." Which I think is, you know, that's pretty good. Uh it directs our focus where it needs to be so we're not doing things for other people and inevitably judging whether or not we should be doing things for other people. Uh, I think a lot of times in this life we get upset when people get what they don't deserve or don't get what they do deserve, which is kind of ironic, especially in the church world, because God's mercy is you not getting what you deserve in in a punishment sense. And God's grace is you getting what you don't deserve in a uh, you can't earn spiritual things by the sweat of your brow sense. So in God's economy, deserve has nothing to do with it. He gives us he didn't give us what we did deserve. And he does give us what we don't deserve, uh, because in his eyes, that's not anything. In his eyes, we deserve everything he has simply because he's our heavenly father and we are his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. It's an inheritance that the Father passes down to his Son. And that's why the Holy Spirit, uh, that's why God has given us the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Sonship. Uh, He placed it in our hearts so that we might cry out, Abba, Father, so that we might know him as Heavenly Father and know ourselves as that beloved Son in whom he is well pleased. So if you're doing what you're doing, uh, if you're working for the Lord rather than people, if you're trying to please your heavenly father and not worrying about whether or not the person you're doing something for deserves it, that's good. To me, That that's that's a strong motivation. Making your heavenly father proud of you and happy, I think, is a, a safe place to be and a good way to go. But in the King James Version, Colossians 3.23 reads, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And I love that idea and that that word and that way of saying it even better, because to me, if you're doing something heartily, you're doing it to the best of your ability and you're doing it because it's in your heart to do it. It takes your motivation out of the realm of the external, uh, out of the realm of trying to follow a set of laws, out of the realm of uh, trying to, you know, eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and and say, well, if I can stop doing evil and if I can do good, then I'll be accepted. Then my heavenly father will be happy with me. And it puts it into an internal mode where everything is coming out of you from within you. It comes from your heart. And as we know, uh, I've ranted about this many, many times and probably will again it's so important to guard and keep your heart because out of your heart flows the issues or the issue love of life. Love is the issue of life because living and loving are the same thing. They're not just connected. They're the same thing. To live is to love and to love is to live. You can't have one without the other and you can't do one without the other. So when we're talking about what's my motivation, I guess the question is my my motivation to do what? Well, to live. To experience the abundant, eternal, everlasting, resurrection life of God that he has given to us. To experience it by letting him live his own life in us and through us and as us. To experience that life and to experience what makes that life so abundant. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the thing that makes the abundant life abundant is love. The difference between death and life is love. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love one another. That's what this whole thing is about. That's why the God who is love created us. He wanted to express himself to something, so he created us. And he not only expresses himself to us, but through that indwelling Holy Spirit, through the new covenant, through the the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, he expresses himself not only to us, but he expresses himself through us. He fills us up with himself, with his spirit, with his love, and then we fill ourselves up to overflowing with that same love. We receive it and release it, and we release it by receiving it. When you fill yourself up to overflowing, you're not trying to 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 do something uh, because of anything else. What you're simply—it's the natural reaction of being that full of God's love, and that's our motivation. It's His love. It's doing things heartily. It's doing them from the heart. It's doing it because it's in your heart to do it. But let's look at Luke sixteen thirteen, and it says, "No one can serve two masters." For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So what I always like about this verse, and I can't remember who I first heard say this, but I heard him say whoever it was. They said it a long time ago, and it really hit me. They said, if you can't serve two masters, the implication is that you will serve one master. And... A lot of times in the in the New Testament of the Bible, Paul would start his letter to the churches or end his letter to the churches by saying, "I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ." That was how he saw himself. That was how he uh, that was how he acted. He 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 did everything he did in service to his master. He served his master, Jesus Christ. And I don't want us to get the idea of 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 like Jesus is my boss or I have to I have to do what Jesus says or else because that's not what it is. What it is is it's understanding that again, it's it's the whole idea of God making a covenant with himself and including us in it. It's Jesus the master doing the work in us and through us and as us. We're doing it by letting him do it in us. We're not going out of our way to do something for him, but we're doing things as him, as he does things, as us, right? Instead of trying to follow in Jesus's footsteps, which nobody can do, nobody can live Jesus's life except Jesus. What we need to do is simply let Jesus make his own footsteps with our feet. Then we're not following at all. Then we're, you know, we're we're co-laborers with Christ, as the Bible says in another place. It's not about do what I say or else. It's about God doing what he's of a mind to do, in us. It's the idea of letting the mind of Christ that's already in us be in us, using the gifts that we've been given. And I always use myself for an example of this, where uh, like all my life I've written books or stories or, or whatever you want to call it, but it wasn't until I started writing Jesus books, until I started using the talents and the gifts that God gave me for his glory and in his service It wasn't until I I began to let him do what he wanted to do in me and through me and as me that things, you know, really started to happen for me. And now I've, you know, self-published quite a few books and and I have a lot of books for sale. And you guys know a little bit about that because I run the promo ad at the end of every one of these episodes. But my point is, is that it's not about doing something outside of yourself. It's about doing what's inside you. It's about doing things heartily. It's about being who you are and using the gifts that God has given you. And it's about letting what's inside you come out. It's about being the true you, the you that God created you to be to the fullest. And that means doing things for Him. And as we're going to see, what that really means is simply loving one another. That's why we were created to receive God's love and to release his love, to let God love us and to love him back by loving each other. It's that simple. It's God and people, man. Loving God and loving people. Loving God by loving people. Letting God love us and loving him back by loving each other. That's as simply as I can make it. That to me is the secret of life. So here's where to me this all comes to a head and this all comes together. Because this idea of serving God as a master can be daunting and it can be scary and it it can take people out of it. A lot of times where uh, we like the uh, I don't know, a big part of the human condition is don't tell me what to do. A big part of the human condition is I will ask you for advice, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. And I try not to do that. I try to only ask for advice when I really want it or need it or I'm going to take it. But as humans, we always think we know the best way. And the Bible even says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. Where the Bible also says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by Him, if we want to know God as our Father, we have to know ourselves as His Son. We have to identify with Jesus as our true identity, and we have to understand that what He's doing, this is not... This is not Jonah, go do what I say, or, or I'm going to throw you in the belly of a fish. This is what's inside of us bursting at the seams to come out of us, and God not even needing to tell us to do it, which is what we're going to see in uh, the book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 13-15. through 15. It says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So much goodness here. It's God working in us. He gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. What's our motivation? It's God. It's God in us. It's God as us. It's God through us. And 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 a lot of times, you know, I just replace that word God with love. So it says, for love is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases love. And of course, the thing that pleases love is love, right? The thing that comes out of the heart, we, we guard and protect and keep our heart because out of it flows uh, the issues or the issue of life. It's love. What else would the heart be concerned with? If you're doing something heartily, if you're doing something to the best of your ability, if you're doing something because it's in your heart to do it, you're doing love. You're doing it out of love. You're doing it for love. You're doing it through love. You're doing it because of love. See, I I, th- I think, unfortunately, in these uh, crooked and perverse times, if I can say it that way, people always think people have ulterior motives. People always think people are... Only looking out for themselves. People always think, if you're being nice to me, you have an angle. Why are you scratching my back? You want me to scratch yours back? You're trying to get something over on me? I I don't trust this. I don't like this. Because we've unfortunately gotten to a place where we don't think good things will happen. We think things are bad and getting worse. And if you look around, it's easy to see why. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus, again, the way, the truth, and the life, the truth of the matter is, is that things are not bad and getting worse, but things are good and getting better. To the government of his peace, there will be no end. So what we need to understand is, when we have our motivation right, everything else will fall in line. When we stop trying to to obey external rules and regulations and laws and do's and don'ts, when we stop trying to fit into a box that we were not created to fit into, and when we simply start to let what's inside of us come out of us, when we simply shine our light, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? And I like that it talks about, first it talks about do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. People don't like complainers. People don't like arguers. If I'm going to ask you to do something and you're going to fight me on it the whole way, I would much rather just not ask you to do it and just try to do it myself because it's not worth it. If you have to beg for something, even if you get it, it's not worth it. You have to have some, you know, self-respect. You have to have some peace in your life. You have to be able to come to the place where you can set boundaries and you can say no to people, where you can uh, stop letting people walk all over you, where you can stop bickering and fighting with people all the time. And if somebody asks you for something and you're going to do it, just do it. Don't make it hard for them. It was probably hard enough to ask. Uh, Not too long ago, one of the guys at work came up to me and he was very nervous and he was kind of shuffling, shuffling on his feet. And uh, it was raining out that night and he needed a ride home. And I told him, of course, I would give him a ride home. No problem. Don't worry about it. And he said he would give me some gas money the next time he got paid. And I said, you don't have to. That's not what we're talking about. If you need a ride home, I'll give you a ride home. Don't worry about it. And I tried to make it as easy as possible for him because I know that it's hard to ask for help. Needing help is a very horrible place to be, but what's worse than needing help is needing help and not being able to ask for it, not being able to get it. So if if you do what you do without complaining, without arguing, not only can no one criticize you, you'll be beyond reproach in that way, But people won't be afraid to ask you. And listen, they will take advantage of you, right? Takers will take advantage of givers. And that's why I said what I said about making boundaries and being able to say no. You don't have to argue with people. Either say yes or say no and let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Healthy boundaries are healthy. All right? That's important. But if you're going to do something for somebody, just do it for them. Don't make it hard on them. Don't make them jump through hoops. Uh, Don't, don't, you, You know, make it easy for them. That's why we're here. We're all in this together. Right. And I've very, and and over the, you know, the last couple of years, I've heard people say that we're all in the same boat, which I don't agree with at all. We're not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same ocean. Okay. We are all in this together. And if your boat has a leak in it, you can either get into mine or I can try to help you fix yours. And we don't have to make it hard for each other. The tide raises all ships and we can all be in this together And we can all help each other. So that's what I have to say about do it without complaining and arguing. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it because it's in your heart to do it. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. It doesn't say shine your light and get away from those people. It doesn't say shine your light and try to flee from the darkness. When God arises, his enemies are scattered. When the light shines, the darkness flees. You can shine your light wherever you're at. And when the darkness flees, that doesn't mean the crooked and perverse people necessarily will flee. It means maybe you'll open their eyes and they'll stop being crooked and perverse. Not because you tell them to, not because you hammer them, not because you tell them what's wrong with them, but because you shine your light and you love them and you show them a more excellent way. I think if people see a more excellent way, they will not only gravitate to it, but run to it. Because why wouldn't they? If you see something that's better than what you've got, why wouldn't you? want that? Why wouldn't you go for that? So we just need to show them the love that God has for us and that God has for them and bring them into the fold. Show them who God is by loving them. That's how you shine like a bright light in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Don't worry if they're crooked and perverse. Don't worry if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You do what you're supposed to be doing and you'll be good. That's all God expects from you. He doesn't expect you to change the world. But if you love somebody, I guarantee you, you can change their world. And that's big. That's important. So I have two more passages I want to read to close this one out. And the first one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. And it reads, But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. That's way too big to get into right now. I will probably do a whole episode about the thief. But going on, it says, For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that, whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. To me, that's it. That's the key. Let us who live in the light be clear-headed, let us who live in the light know that we are protected by the armor of faith and love. And we're wearing the helmet of our salvation. Nothing. the Guys, we're safe. We're good. We're taken care of. And now that we are, we can then take care of each other. Right? It's like the idea of an airplane where they say, if something happens, put your oxygen mask on before you try to help anybody else put their oxygen mask on. Because if you're passed out on the floor, you can't help anybody. So it's not being selfish and it's not, oh, I got to take care of myself. It's I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to take care of myself so that I can then take care of you. And when I say take care of myself, I mean, I know that God has taken care of me so I can take care of you. All I have to do is receive what he's done and who he is in my life and release it. I don't have to be try to be somebody I'm not. I don't have to try to get something I think I haven't got. I can simply receive. And release the love of God. I can breathe it in and breathe it out. I can love the people around me with every step I take, every move I make. What's the song say? Every breath you take, every move you make. It's all about God's love in us, coming out of us with everything we do. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not unto men everything we do needs to come from the heart it needs to i tell my son this all the time i'm like make sure you have a reason for doing what you're doing don't do things just to do things have a purpose have a plan do things for a reason and our reason is love if you do everything that you do for love <laughs> you'll be you'll have a good life you'll be okay nobody ever went broke from being generous okay God blesses us to be a blessing. And if we're good stewards with what he gives us, and by that I mean if we give away what he gives us, if we take care of each other, and, and, and listen, you don't need an ax to give someone a hand. You don't have to hurt yourself to heal somebody else. Uh, I believe it was John the Baptist when they asked him what they should do. He said, if you have two shirts, give one to someone who doesn't live out of your abundance. God will give you what you need to do what He has for you to do. It's God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You you don't have to kill yourself to live, right? Which, you know, sometimes we wonder, why are we killing ourselves to earn a living? But that's a whole different thing. You have to find a balance. You have to find a place where you can Take care of business in the natural world, and 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 also have some sanity left over. That's not serving two masters. That's not being uh, enslaved to money. That's just understanding that if you don't work, you don't eat. That's just understanding that in 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 this dimension that we live in, we have access to the kingdom of God, but we still have to live, you know, where we're at. We still have to be able to function in in this time in this place. So, when we're serving God. And listen, when you're at work, you can serve God. When we're serving God, we're doing everything we do as unto him and not unto men, right? When we're at work, we can serve God by doing the best that we can do at work, by being a good employee, by being honest and trustworthy. So let me get to my last uh, passage here before we run out of time. And it's only a couple of verses I want to read. First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says, This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. And that's an important concept, practicing the truth. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, letting Jesus operate in our lives, letting G, letting the truth that already has set us free and made us free letting that truth be known unto ourselves and unto other men so we can experience that freedom Man practicing the truth is so important knowing the truth and believing the truth and practicing the truth the truth that god is love and he loves you the ultimate truth of the universe that says the father loveth the son and has placed all things into his hands God loves us and he's given his whole self to us. God, who is love, has given his love to us. That's the truth of the matter. That's the, again, the ultimate truth of the universe. And when we receive that truth and practice that truth, then we receive his love and we release his love. We put that truth into practice by putting his love into practice. Charity, love in action, where rubber meets the road, actually, physically, loving people, seeing a need and meeting it and not doing it because we think we're going to get something out of it, but doing it because we already got something from our heavenly father. Love doesn't have a motivation, right? When we were talking about the ulterior motive, love does not have a motivation. Love is our motivation. We do what we do because it's in our heart to do it because it's God working in us to give us both the desire and the power to do what he wants us to do. It's God living through us. It's God living as us. So it says in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 1, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. That, to me, that's it. That's the key. That's as simply as I can put it. If we're doing things heartily, to the best of our ability, because it's in our heart to do it. If we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. All that means living in the light, all that means is shining our light, shining our love, loving each other, living in fellowship with each other, taking care of each other, being kind to each other, being merciful to each other, forgiving each other, sharing the the gospel, the good news with each other. It's all about and, and again, it comes from God. we love because he first loved us. We can't give what we don't have and we can only give what we do have. So in order for us to love we have to first be given love. and that's what happened when God so loved the world that he gave his only forget be, his, I'm sorry his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave us what we need. He gave us his spirit. He gave us his son. He gave us himself. He gave us his love. We have that love. It's in our hearts. When we do things heartily, the love that's in our hearts comes out of our hearts. That's our motivation. That's why we do what we do. It's not to earn anything. It's not to stay out of trouble. It's not to keep a law. It's because we are so full of it that we can't do anything else but give what we have. We know what we have is so good that we just give it away without even thinking about it, without worrying about who we're giving it to or whether or not they deserve it. So that's what I have for this week about our motivation, about living heartily. And uh, as always, I just want to thank you guys for your support. Uh, And uh, I guess that's it. We will see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, You can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by, uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And, uh, thank you once again, as always for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.